there, everybody. It's Tracy here with the Everybody Counts podcast. It's time to talk about some more Bosch legacy. We've got a full house tonight with Jay Welliver B. Titus III. Glad to have you here, Jay. Yes, I'm happy to be here. And Pete, Pete P.I. Glad you're here too, Pete. What's going on, Jay? Glad Jay's finally back from hiding. He doesn't sound very happy to be here, I gotta be honest. You know, I didn't want to bring it up on the podcast, but I guess I will after that comment. You know, I heard they revoked your P.I. license, Pete. What, what's the story? I never heard anything about this. Don't Check your mail. about it. Check your mail. Well, you know what I heard? I heard that Jay lost another poll. You know, another, another I'm not coming poll. on these podcasts anymore. <laughs> this is my last one. <clears throat> this is my last one. For those who may not have listened to the last podcast uh, we, or see what we're doing on Twitter, we had another poll out there to get the viewer's opinion on the color description of Trejo's Donuts. And at first in the story, Maddie had said bubblegum and then Raina says no, Pepto-Bismol. And Maddie agrees. Yeah, that's, pro- you know, that's a better description. But we just wondered what everyone else thought. So we put it out there because... On the podcast, clearly Jay and I did not agree. I agreed with Raina and ultimately Maddie, Pepto-Bismol, and Jay was going with Bubblecom. And he had this whole logic that you were going to choose the color based on how you felt about eating the donuts and you wouldn't want to eat them if you thought it looked like right. Pepto-Bismol. Right, which this just means everyone that partook in the poll has no idea what they're talking about. That's all it means. That's all it Can means. Can I say something here? No. Yes, please. No, so I wasn't here for that podcast and I saw the poll and I voted for the poll as a neutral. I didn't even hear the conversation yet. And I voted and mm-hmm. I voted for bubble gum based on exactly what Jay just said. Thank you, Pete. That's why saying, I wanted that's why I wanted you to speak up. I can't believe Tracy please. told you no. Look at you guys agreeing on something. I mean first time for everything. Yeah, let's write down the date and time. This is a historical moment. It's a trivia question for the future. But despite the fact that you guys agreed, your answer did not win. Pepto Bismol won, I think, by like like three quarters of the votes. Is that poll sponsored by Pepto Bismol? <laughs> no, something fishy going on here. No, but anyways, I'm sure you know we'll come up with another poll. We'll give you another chance, Jay. And then Pete, you're you won one of each, so you lost this week. Another signing. match coming soon. Another match coming soon. All right. Well, let's move forward. We have a supersized podcast episode this evening. We're covering Bosch Legacy episodes four and five. Plus, we have an interview with Denise Sanchez, who plays Officer Reina Vasquez, Maddie Bosch's training officer in the series. So you have that to look forward to at the end. Episodes four and five go nicely together because they both involve the boys who are back in town. Crate and Barrel are back for these two episodes. So why not do them together? We can cover more territory. It also kind of ended with a little bit of a cliffhanger, I feel, on the first one. So it it does make it sense to do both Mm -hmm. at once because now you can do the follow-up without having to wait a week. Exactly. So let's get started with episode four. It's called Horseshoes and Hand Grenades, written by Barbara Curry and directed by Patrick Cady. So this is the second of two episodes directed by Patrick this season. And I think they, they did a great job. We got some good stuff to talk about. So let's talk first about Maddie's journey in this episode. She's kind of dealing with some stuff. I mean, to say the least, she, she goes on a run and she's having all kinds of memories 
Anybody want to talk about that? Yeah, poor girl is messed up over her her victim. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not treating her well. Right. She's seeing and she's also seeing flashes of her own traumatic event from season seven with the shooter in the parking garage. And then she's thinking about Prita and how you know upset and she is and feeling bad for her. I think she sees flashes of yeah, she she's flashes of someone in a mask, like she's yeah. imagining the person. Yeah. A red mask. Yeah, she, yeah. She's on an emotional roller coaster. This is yeah. this is not good for her. So that's all very present in her mind. And on her next patrol with Officer Vasquez, they are near, at some point they're near Frida's apartment in Thai Town. And Maddie's like, hey, maybe we want to stop and check in on her. But once again, Vasquez says, you know, it's not our job now. It's, you know, it's past hands to Detective Coleman. And, but, you know, she's, she's really obviously having a hard time letting that go. And it comes up again in an outing that she has with some fellow boots from the academy. They go out for drinks and everyone is sort of telling their big call or biggest call, you know, recently or since having gone on the force. And so we hear from Rico Perez, Officer Perez, and uh, I think, you know, he seems to have a little thing for Maddie. Let's go ahead and put it out there. Pizza. Boo! <laughs> that's it. That's all I'm saying. He, he actually helps deliver a baby. So, I mean, that's, I mean, if you're trying to impress someone, that's, that's pretty impressive. He can deliver a hundred babies. He's <laughs> not good enough for Maddie. Again. Uh, thank you, Pete. Say it again one more time for the people in the back. He can deliver a hundred babies. He's still not good enough for our Maddie. Okay. Okay. Will every will anyone ever be good enough? Who knows? Uh, but yeah, there's some interest there, I believe. And then another boot talks about her call with a jumper. That's that's uh, upsetting. And then someone points out, "Hey, Maddie, didn't you have a, a call the other day?" And and she decides not to mention it. She just uh, I don't know what what did she say? Do you remember? She sort of dismisses it and, and she needs to be excused. She goes outside. She clearly does not want to talk about the call. She, they're referring to the call from, from Prita. So she goes out and she doesn't go back in. She kind of goes for a walk. She ends up calling Harry. And he can kind of sense, I think, that something's wrong. Do you, do you agree? Oh, something's up. Yeah, <clears throat> those, yeah. those dad slash yeah. detective instincts are kicking in. Yep. Yeah. It's like the dad radar, but but she says, no, you know, it's okay. She doesn't need to talk. And she, she doesn't really, I don't think, deny that something's going on. She just says she doesn't need to talk about it, I believe. But interestingly, tell me if you saw this as well. Did it appear that she was outside of his PI office building when she was on the phone with him? I don't think it was clear where she was. I thought she was outside the bar, wherever they were, and called an Uber from there. Well, she, well... At maybe the bar is by the office. I don't know. But yeah, she went out and left the bar first. And but somehow I, I think, and let me know, folks that are listening, what you think. It looked like she was maybe outside of his office building. Like it was, which was, would be kind of interesting that she was like near her dad, but wasn't going to go in and talk to him. Didn't choose to tell him about what she was kind of going through, but it seemed like she was nearby and that maybe that was of some comfort to her i don't know so go back and look see what you think but that i don't think we see more of maddie in this episode after that we just we just learn a lot about how much the, this part of the job is affecting her right now 
All right. So that's about what we hear from Maddie this episode. But before we move on to any other character, probably a good time to pause and um, have another discussion about Tom. You up for that, Pete? Well, I personally said that I would not talk about Tom and Antonio until they're on my screen again. I made a promise to the podcast, Tracy, so you let me off the hook. Okay, but here, here's the thing. You didn't specify on your screen in Bosch Legacy, and I know you've been watching Stranger Things, and the Tom actor, Mason Dye, is playing Jason, the, like the captain of the basketball team yes. in Stranger Things. So he has technically been on your screen, the actor has. It's true. She's right. But not in Maddie's boyfriend, future husband form. No, no. Not yet. He, he probably would be in this role. He would be a little young for her now as yes, a high school student. So yes, I would nix that right away. Um, I'm stuck after like episode three, but I did go back and see what, what you meant that he was in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty large role. Jay, have you been watching? Uh, I've only watched the first two Okay, so you yeah. you saw him. Did you recognize yeah. him? No, I did not actually until you said something, and uh, now I need to go back and and start hating him. I mean, <laughs> Pete, you claim to be a PI. Ty, uh, Jay, you claim to be I don't know what, but who's the detective here? I'm the one recognizing these faces. But I digress. See, you're you're brilliant at that stuff. You'll like hear someone cough in the background and be like. <laughs> That was Bob, who was also on Grey's Anatomy season 12, episode 13, as well as, and like me, I'd been like, I would have never known that. No matter. Nope. Yeah. Well, no, you're uh, good at that. Thank you for the compliment. I, I don't know that I'm, I'm necessarily brilliant, but I do like making those connections and, and seeing actors from Bosch other places. It's so. one of my favorite things about your recaps. Yay. Okay. Well, enough. I just, it's always fun to bring Tom up with you guys and just wanted to make sure that you were, were aware that he's um, out in another series. Moving on, <laughs> let's move on to Honey. Honey, she's working a new case. Marty assigns her a new case. But before she gets started with that, at some point she does find some intel on Simon Wakefield's son. And that's just something to store away that will be helpful to know for the next episode. But Simon Wakefield is the financial guy for Carl Rogers. And I guess they're looking for leverage anywhere they can find it. So at some point in this story, in this episode, she tells Harry that she's dug up some information on his son that uh, does not show him in a great light. So you can just kind of tuck that away. But the, the, what we see her mostly working on this episode is a case regarding facial recognition software, not working correctly, um, nabbing the wrong guy, and the detective working the case not bothering to do any other work than just the put a bomb yeah it's really very lazy and not doing a good job definitely not not thorough and but do you recognize who the case the guy who the case is for yes i do tracy (laughs) okay well please share to make sure well i'm waiting to see if ppi who had his license revoked (laughs) no he does not do you remember the valet folks from the last season I do. Does Pete? At the at the Magic Castle. You can watch this show. Yes. It is none other than Russell Barnes. Russell Barnes. And when, if you recall, when Jerry and Harry first approach Russell Barnes at his home, you know, they find out that he's on parole, I think, for, was it Grand Theft Auto? 
or something like that. Yeah, but he's trying to get his life. He's back a in. reformed bad dude yes. who's yes. now a good dude. Yes, and so it's. I love the follow up with him that he has been able to stay on this track of moving forward with a legitimate lifestyle. So good for him, but bad for him that this facial recognition software has nabbed him as it's the good. robber, an armed robbery, I think it was, um, at a convenience store. And he, he even says he had an alibi, and, but the detective never even followed up on his alibi. It's just like, okay, the software says it's you, it's you. And Honey also points out that disproportionately, there are more errors in facial re- recognition software with people of color. And Russell Barnes is African-American, so she brings that up when they are talking to Detective Gutierrez. But what she really is able to clear him on is the fact that she and Matthew went to the convenience store and there was surveillance footage. And they look at that and you can see clearly on that footage that the armed robber has a, a large tattoo on his arm and all they have to do is show you know, pictures of Russell Barnes, they do a little video or something, and he looks clearly at both of his arms, no tattoo. My favorite part about that was the picture, he's got his arms out, right? His yeah. arms are out, and he's like, can you see there's no tattoos here, you idiot? The I, love I love that. The face he makes is like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. now yeah. what, suckers? Yeah, yeah what are you going to say yeah. now? So they, they, uh, they clearly, they got him, Detective Gutierrez. So yeah, he didn't follow up on the alibi, didn't you know investigate anything else about you know, probably what the robber was wearing or tattoos or anything like that just so lackadaisical well to not be completely embarrassed they offer barnes 1.2 million to settle and make it go away um honey being a fighter for justice and change mentions to russell that you know if we do go to trial we could probably make a bigger difference in the system, like look at the bigger picture. But Russell's like, no, I will take the money and get on, you know, with my life and my family. And that's what he chooses to do. So I am, again, happy to see Russell moving forward with his good decision making about living in a life of crime. Yes, question. Would you guys take the money or would you fight for greater justice? Take the money. Probably take the money. If, money. If, it, if it weren't for the fact that it would probably take five years before you saw a freaking courtroom. Right. Then, I mean, he, he has maybe a family. I would hold right. Yeah. And he lost That's, his job and they said, oh, well, we could get you a job, you know, if we want to, you know, go to trial, you know, like they would, but all these accommodations, but he's like, no. And uh, yeah, I probably that's, would. That's life-changing money. Yeah. yeah. Anyone, money go. Anyone. Yeah. I, would, yeah. I mean, and I would like to think that I cared about the bigger picture. But I would probably still say, well, give me the money. And no, maybe I, maybe I, would, I can do I would, something good with I it. Would not, I would not care about the bigger picture. I would I would care about my bank account. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right away. <laughs> I hear you. Well, I think we all agree. We would, then we would take the money. And then I would hope that facial recognition made the mistake again. So I could get some <laughs> the money. same mistake on you. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> some more money. Right. right. <laughs> oh, man. It's a shame what he had to go through. But good for him getting the $1.2 million. All right, let's talk a little bit about Whitney Vance. What's going on with him and Harry's investigation? Nothing's Um, good. What's that? Nothing's good going on. It's not going great for Whitney Vance. No. No. Um, As far as the investigation, Bosch is making some headway, but he's not really able to get in touch with Vance. So we'll talk about that in a minute. First, he meets up with Olivia McDonald. You know, he reached out to her on the, the message platform on the wall of faces 
for those killed in action in Vietnam. And she is Dominic Santanello's sister. They were both adopted, we learn, and they were very close. And she tells Bash some stories. She shows him some pictures, even shows him a picture where he was had a different name on his shirt, last name Lewis, instead of Santanello. And he asks about that. And she says he took the swim test for someone else so that he could pass the test. And then he, she lets him go up into the attic, I guess, and look at his trunk of things uh, that he had left over or yeah, that were brought home. And there's, you know, like thinking some metals, a hairbrush, a canister of film, and Harry being the detective, you know, he's carefully looking through these items and he shakes the canister of film and there's actually film in there, undeveloped film. So he wants to take that with him and see if he could get anything from it. He thanks Olivia for her time and promises that he will send her any, you know, photographs that are able to be developed from that film. You know, he will keep her updated. So he heads out and is, he meets with an expert like in film or photography for the, for the, I guess, for the police department and asks him about the film. And he, you know, he's basically saying, it's just, you know, we're not going to really get anything but, you know, he will try. And of course, Harry wants him to do it faster <laughs> than he probably can. But again, we see a little bit of evidence of where it, it is harder now for Harry to get things done quickly since he does not have the badge. But the guy is able to pull up some images and there is a woman and a baby. And you can see in the background, um, the Hotel Dell, as in Coronado. So they, they recognize the location. So it's not in Vietnam and it's a woman and a baby. And, you know, so they have to wonder, did Nick take these pictures? And the, the film guy also explains that based on some type of number numbering convention on the film, that the, the time period that these photos or the time photos that the film would have been manufactured. And it puts it in a time frame where Nick, short for Dominic, would have been in Vietnam. So, you know, it's not adding up. Did he take these pictures? How could he be there if he was stationed in Vietnam? And who is this woman? Is this his child? You know, so the, the mystery gets a little bigger. It's like he gets closer, but then, you know, more questions, of course. So he ends up talking to Dr. Gallagher the next couple of days or so and about how, again, how could this have happened? And, you know, Gallagher points out that you could be court-martialed for, you know, leaving Vietnam to go back to the States. You know, it's a, it's a big risk. So they're both kind of stumped on, on what may have happened here. Meanwhile, Olivia calls Harry and tells him that two men claiming to be from the VA <laughs> showed up at her house. And, oh, imagine we're asking about any possible heirs to Nick that there, there may be some funds or something to, to disperse. And she's, she was smart. She said, no, there are no heirs and they go on their way, but obviously it was unnerving to her and really strange timing since Harry was there doing an investigation. So it, it's, it bothers Harry too. And it just, it makes him think there are still people following me in regard to this case. And he follows up with Mo. And you know, he talks about having rented the car and changed the cars out and all that. And Mo, Mo puts it together that they must be following him via drones. And Harry decides he's not going to let on that he knows. So because he couldn't stop it, right? There's no way you can, like a bug, you can pull out. But is there a way you can stop a drone from following you? If you own a submarine. If you own a submarine. I think that's probably the only way. 
also at some point Sloan, who is Vance's personal security detail, you know, there at his mansion, shows up at Bosch's office. Anybody want to talk about that exchange? That dude is stupid. Number one, <laughs> thinking that Harry's going to fall for the whole, he would like an update. And then <laughs> as Bosch is closing the door, you're going to put your hands on it to yeah. stop it, Mike? Yeah. What, are you crazy? And then <laughs> the best part is Bosch just looks at him and is like, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Because that punch in the face is coming. <laughs> yeah, when he when he put his hand on the door to stop it, I was like, oh, no, no, you didn't. Bad move. It was just so obvious. So, yeah, Sloan says, Mr. Vance is ill and asked me to check in with you. And you know, Bosch is not going to talk to him because Vance clearly said, do not talk to anyone except for me directly. But he still follows up and leaves a message for Vance, who does not answer, to give him a call. So and then we have one encounter with Vance himself. He is writing a check, a donation to St. Helen's Home for Unwed Mothers. And he takes the fancy gold pen that he keeps at his desk and, you know, tries to sign, but it's just not going to happen. His hand is too shaky. He just doesn't have the, the motor skills at this point to sign the check. And Ida reaches down, takes the pen and signs for him, and he thanks her. So there is, you know, obvious, obvious deterioration, and, but he didn't look too bad at that point. He just, you know like he couldn't sign the check but what do i know so i think that's about as far as we go with the whitney vance stuff in this episode can you think of anything else no nope you are a pro tracy stop that you know i'm not usually a nice guy tracy take it while you can get it yeah that's a good point that's that's a good point you Um, jerk (laughs) (laughs) let's move on to carl rogers because we got a lot of carl rogers activity so we find that Alex Ivanovich, one of the two Russian brothers, the very scary Russian brothers that are trying to get their money back and some, reads a headline in the newspaper about Carl being in a civil suit now with Bella Winslow. And reminder, she is the daughter of Judge Sobel, who Carl Rogers have killed. So Bella has a civil suit out there and they know this could keep Rogers from giving money to him. Um, no money. Another roadblock. Nope. So they are not happy about that. Lev goes to Carl's house. He's pulling out of the garage and it's kind of fun. He scares him. That was, scares that was the crap out of him. <laughs> that, was a, that was a fun scene when uh, Carl was completely surprised and, and unnerved that he was standing there. And that's where we end up getting the title, the reference of the episode. The Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. Because, you know. Carl's like, no, I'm not running away. You know, Love accuses him of trying to, you know, skip town. No, no, I'm going to see my girlfriend. Well, we need our money. And he's like, I'm close. And he's like, you know, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. So there's a reference to the title. And Carl goes on his way. But Harry gets a call from Bo, you know, who is tracking Carl's vehicles and conversations and audio. And he's headed to a restaurant called Eat at Rudy's. And it's meeting up with some folks there. And that's where our fan favorites, Crate and Barrel, come yeah. back in the story. The guys. I love guys. those guys. I love them guys. I'm going to grow up to be like them one day. Oh, you and Pete, you're going to be Crate and Barrel? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Harry reaches out to Crate and Barrel to help out. He wants them to go to the restaurant and listen in on whatever, whoever he's meeting with and get details on the conversation. 
thankfully Mo has given them some kind of gadget for Crate to put on his phone, like some type of microphone, because you know they're not hearing what they're saying. They they go a few minutes with not really being able to hear what they're saying, but they they put the device in and start recording. Now, as viewers, we get some of the conversation that they're having and they're basically talking about moving up their operation and Carl Rogers financial guy Simon Wakefield are like no it's too dangerous but can't do it but Carl is saying we have to we have to get this money we have to move it up so they're kind of on opposite ends of that right now and the guys across from them at the booth the guy to the left who we will find out his last name is Penzak He's very nervous. He and Simon are like, no, this is a bad idea, bad idea. The other guy who we find out's name is Aslan. He's not as vocal about it, but what he does show is he raises like a key fob and says, well, I can make this all go away. You know, do whatever you're going to do. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> do whatever yeah. you're going to do, but I can erase the whole thing, you know, in seconds. So we're like, hmm, what's going on there? So that's what we hear of their conversation at that point. Then the guys, Crate and Barrel, they each follow one person. Crate follows the guy who we learn his name is Penzac to a refinery. And Beryl follows the guy who we will find out is Aslan to a closed PVC manufacturing plant. But he he knows there's a lot of security there. But we see them, you know, doing their, their best detective thing and watching, checking for details, following these guys back to these two places. So I guess it's probably the next day after Mo cleans up the audio, they meet with Harry and Honey and fill them in on what they found, what they saw, what they heard. They talk about the audio. So basically the rundown is, yes, the one guy is named Penzac that Crate followed, and he works as, I think, like a pipeline manager for the Drysdale refinery. And Aslan apparently owns this closed PVC manufacturing plant, which they don't really understand at this point because he points out that there was a lot of security, you know, for something that was closed. Why was there security there? So they also hear the information, I think, about the, the key fob. Did they hear that on the audio at that point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, they've got some names, they've got some locations, and they're talking about moving up some operations. So basically, Bosch takes from this, I need to get inside that plant and see what's going on because Beryl told him there was like a truck that went in like went into this like garage for about 20 minutes and then came out but he doesn't know what happened you know while it was in there so just you know mysterious activity going on and Bosch wants to get inside there and see for himself take a closer look so he puts together they put together this little ruse the three of them Harry Crate and Beryl and Beryl was like inside a, a truck stop and there's a tanker truck outside and Harry wants to get inside and ride with that truck to the PVC manufacturing plant. So Beryl sees the driver in the parking lot. It's like, Hey, I think you dropped your, your license or whatever. And he looks at it and he's like, Oh no, that, that guy's like way older than me. No, that's not me. And he's like, are you sure? But he's stalling him. You know, he's, he's taking his time so that Harry can get into the truck and hide. And then we find out afterward that it was Crate's ID, which is kind of fun because the guy was like saying he was too old and clearly was not him. So they, they work it out. So Harry can hitch a ride to the PVC manufacturing plant. The truck goes in, goes into this garage. Who wants to talk about it from there? 
He does. Goes into the garage. He sneaks around. He drops into a hole. Mm-hmm. Finds out. Finds out what's going on. I'm not really sh- at that point in the episode. I'm not really sure what he finds. He just seems to know what he's looking at, and I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He he he. Eventually, I mean, if you guys, I'll wrap it up, but you guys can get further into it. He pops out, and then as he's about to make it past the last stage of the escape. Somebody says, hey, what are you doing? They get stopped by security. And yeah, then the credits. Was, yeah, and then the credits. <laughs> it was it was a little hard for me to, to know. I mean, I'm sure some people understood right away if you're familiar with the oil business. But I, yeah, I wasn't quite sure right away. But he's looking through and he sees, you know, this pipeline going through. And then he sees like an opening. There's some explosives attached. At one point, he sees the name, I think, Drysdale Refinery. And it's like connected to another piece and basically i knew for sure when he texts honey and says they're stealing gas it's like okay they're tapping into this pipeline they're stealing gas and but we don't know what the explosives were for but when he does go back upstairs he tries to you know not be seen goes upstairs and he sees like like a desk with a phone or something there's some kind of box that looks like it may be tied to the explosives like something you could detonate or set off so yeah like pete said when he tries to leave you think he's gotten the information, he's slipping out of there, and the security guard pulls a gun on him, and the episode closes. So before we move on to episode five, we need to see if we have any questions for each other about episode four. Well, I got one thing. That was when, that was a, that was one of those things where they gave you four episodes, right? And they made you wait a week for more? They gave you those four, and then so, the next week you got five and six. Yep. So I'm angry because they made me wait for five. With that cliffhanger, mm-hmm. but the question I really had, I asked you guys, which is from earlier, would you keep the money like Russell Barnes did, or would you go further into court? Oh yeah, so we so we addressed yeah we addressed that. What about you, Jay? What's what's a question you have? My question is not so much about the episode as it is the the atmosphere in the episode. Is it just me? You know, you're watching Bosch, and there's there's always something not great happening, or you're kind of on the edge of your seat, or there's some kind of drama and you kind of, I don't know, you're sort of like uneasy watching the show scene by scene by scene. Mm-hmm. But doesn't, is it just me or does it change for you when Craig and Barrel get on, this, on, on the screen and like you just feel happy about the show? <laughs> yeah. You'd like no yeah. longer are like, gosh, is Bosch going to be okay? Or uh, is Maddie going to get through this? Or is yeah. Honey going to win this? Ne-? It totally, for me, it just switches to, love these dudes like <laughs> yeah what's up it's definitely a comfort i do feel better i do feel like just a little bit of light <laughs> in the room in the story and i just part of me is like it's gonna be okay crate and barrel are there you know they're yeah. like these superheroes as goofy as they are oh, right but, yeah, yeah they are really skilled at what they do and yeah i do i, I definitely that, there's no argument there i definitely felt a little better a little more hopeful just and, feel like like you take the like like the diner scene right yeah if it were mo sitting there recording it right you yeah. would you'd probably be like oh man i hope he doesn't get caught man i hope he gets everything they need where you put crane barrel in there you're like these are the dudes let's see yeah. what they do next you know and, and i also like I'll go with a different question, but one of my questions was like, are they in over their heads? It also helped me to know that there were other people working on this, you know, even if it's just temporary, it's like, oh my gosh, Harry and Honey are trying to, you know, and of course they have Moe's help, but they're trying to break through a lot of information here and 
it's they're dealing with scary people. I mean, Carl is scary. The Ivanovich brothers are scary. So it was, I think it was just a little, made me a little more, like I said, comforted that they had some help too through Crate and Barrel. What's your answer, Pete? I agree with Jay. Do we actually sure. all agree? That's all agree amazing. Uh, I have a second question, if I may. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, she let me do it. This is a much smaller piece of the episode, but I'm just curious. Uh, we talked about the uh, the drive with Maddie and Vasquez, and Maddie uh, wanted to stop by and mm-hmm. do a door knock or whatever. And right. Vasquez is she don't mess around, whatever. Yeah, Tracy, you do a good job of keeping Pete and I in our place. However, I also know that you you have a a sweet spot towards some things. So my question is, if you were Vasquez, what what would you have done there? Would you have done the door knock or would you have been the, no, you're not doing it. We're going to do our jobs only. I think the one thing you didn't mention about me, I hope I have some soft spots. I, I try to be a kind person, but you know, I'm also a rule follower. So right. I probably would go with Vasquez. I might've said it a little differently. I might've been like, well, hey, Maddie, you got to remember, it's not our job now for it to for the case to, to be solved and for everything to, you know, it needs to go through the right procedure. And now it's Detective Coleman. So I know it's hard. I've been there, you know, that kind of thing. I probably would have um, sugarcoated it more. But I should have I- known. I should have known. <laughs> So that's is that how you thought I would answer? I wasn't I wasn't really sure because uh you know you're you're certainly a rule follower and you're <laughs> certainly a like we need to do rah 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 rah. But at the same time, like I don't I'm sorry to ruin your persona out there as this <laughs> badass podcaster, but you, you are a little softy when it comes to some things. So I was feeling <laughs> like man, she would probably give in to Maddie, but you okay. know what? I, I wasn't sure. What do you think I would do, Pete? Well, I think it's a no-brainer. Tracy would definitely be like, no, it's not. <laughs> you can't do that. It's not our job to do that. We have another job to do. Let's focus on our job. And then later on, we can X and find out if we can go speak to them through the proper chains. There you go. Yeah. You're right, Pete. I always forget she never lets us have any fun. So yeah. <laughs> so you that's should true. just give it like, yeah. oh, well, 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 maybe in a couple of weeks we'll readdress it. Tracy, aka Fun Squasher. (laughs) All right, I do have one more though. How is Rogers? Is there any way you're feeling at this point that he can pull this thing off? He seems really visibly nervous. He's got his, uh, even though he wants to move forward, he feels very stressed. He's got to get this money. I thought this before, during, and after. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. This guy is a dead man real soon. It's just a matter of time. Somebody's going to kill him. Rather, it's Bosch, Honey, these brothers, this guy, Simon. He's going to blow up in a pipeline. Somebody's killing this guy. He's not making it past the season finale. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I, well, that's what I was curious. I mean, there just seems like too much piled up against him. It's, it's not when you're nervous, you don't think, right? When, uh, when you're under a, a tight timeline, they want their money now. He's already got a criminal record, even though he wasn't convicted. You know, he he knows he has, you know, all this history. And I think he must feel like he's in over his head. And and he is. He's a scumbag. So but but I just wondered, what, did you envision at this point any possibility of him pulling it off and getting the money? So no, no, okay. no. What about you, Jay? 
I used stole the words right out of my mouth, scumbagging over his head, like yeah. way, <laughs> way, way over his head. And I, I think it's a classic case of the egomaniacal mm-hmm. bad guy who can have it all and does not consider the consequences of choices A, B, C, and D, and he does them all. And now he's like, oh, crap. I, mm-hmm. You know, I think he's got too much stacked against him. He's uh, He pissed off Honey in a way that she's never going to stop until she gets what she needs. And of mm-hmm. course, you've got Bosch right next to it. And then you've got the uh, Russian brothers who would uh, kill for probably just about, I just, I don't think you could win. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Okay. I so we're along the same, same line of thought there. Just a matter of how and when, probably. Ow. All right. Before we move on, tell me who was your person of interest in this episode who had a big impact played a pivotal role really stood out to you for some reason and i put three because there's three of us and so i I just assume that somebody's going to say what i was going to say yeah i there's uh, there's so many choices here i'm going to go first and i'm going to steal somebody's choice uh and i'm going to go back to rogers i'm going to make him the person in the episode because because he is in over his head and i feel like uh if you just take the scene in the driveway Uh Uh, with the Russian brother and he kind of jumps he's our start it's him now for the rest of his life he's going to be startled forever yeah yep so uh, I think and I think I think it shows us the viewers okay this guy is screwed I think it's showing him oh crap I'm screwed so I'm I'm gonna give it to him okay I can see that how about you Pete I'm going to go with the reverse. Um, I feel like there's two major cases right now in Bosch legacy where we're at and I feel like um, knowing Bosch one of them always gets wrapped up you know, pretty quickly. And the other one normally drags on to the end. Mm-hmm. I believe we're coming upon the end of the van story. So okay. I'm going to say my person of interest is Dominic. What's his name? Santanello. Okay. I just feel like he's uncovering more clues about him. And I think within the next couple episodes, that story is going to come to a head and we're going to get some sort of resolution. And then it'll lead on to the next thing, which is Carl Rogers. That's just my personal opinion. Okay. Um, I, you know, this is the same thing I thought when I watched the episode live the first time and the second time around. Um, I'm going to go with Dominic. Okay. Well, I can't believe y'all didn't take any of my three choices. That's amazing. And my Did first one. Okay. Wow. I'm going to, I'm going to do the J thing. Okay. I know we're just supposed to pick one person. So I, but, want, I want to know all three. Let's yeah. do it. But I got yeah. a little bit different. No, my, my first answer is two people, crate and barrel. Okay. Of course. That's good. I yeah. mean, people were so happy to see them back. They got some serious Intel. They helped Harry get into that plant to get more information. They were just, and they're just so nice about it and fun about it. Yeah, and they're, and they're still as sexy as can be. As can be. As right. can be. Right. No doubt. Now, I'm not sure if it was this episode or the next episode, but they mentioned that they were retired. Yeah, mm-hmm, they are. Um, To me, that just opens up them to be Bosch's partners and associates. Yes. Like, I'm just saying, it, it opens up yes. the idea, like, if the other guys are still in the force, they, they don't matter. in the force. You won't really see her. Yeah. In the same, yeah. But these guys are now retired and Bosch's buddies. Mm-hmm. So you can put them with Mo and make a really killer group that I love. Okay. I think they're in the writer's room right now. So if, if anybody is listening, let's move them in for continued help with Harry. He, do, he, he They do a good job. And he can use the help. So if you wanted to know my other two, it was Olivia McDonald, Dominic Santanello's sister, you know, uh, getting the film yeah. and everything kind of moving that story yeah. along. And then my man, Russell Barnes, because I was just, like I said, I said it earlier, I was just so happy that he's on still on the right track. And he got this windfall for people who screwed him over and he can keep moving forward with his life free of crime. So even though you picked four total people when you're only supposed to pick one Tracy 
for being a rule follower. Do you guys all remember about 15 minutes ago, she mentioned she was a rule follower. Do you, does anybody remember that? Uh, even though you picked four instead of one, uh, I'm well, going to approve. I was only going to share things. one until you wanted to know all three. First choice was actually two people. So I'll give you that. I broke the rule and did two people. You asked to know the others. The, they approved. were backups. It's they approved. Backups. I just wanted to make sure we pointed out that the rule follower broke like all the rules. That's all I wanted to do. So now I was a fun squasher. Now I'm a rule breaker. You are, you are all over the map. I am Tracy. all I over the even... place. All over the place. All right. Pete, do you have any trivia for us? I have one easy episode four trivia question for Red. you guys. And if you Red. get this wrong, then I don't think I can podcast with you guys no more. Um, so when I ask the question, don't just answer. Tell me if you know the answer for sure first. So I know if you both know it or not. I do not. Okay. This is an easy one, guys. This is easy. So when they're all telling their war stories, um, all the boots, and um, the guy who is interested in Maddie is talking about his war story. He says they even named the baby after me. What was the name of the baby? I know. Jay, do you jerk, know? Jerk face. I'm sorry. No, I don't know. I don't know. This was even easier to guess if you just had like yeah, logical yeah. scenarios. Go ahead, right. Little Rico. Boom. His name was Rico. They named it after him. It would obviously be named Rico. Jay. Jay. Come about on. that dude. I don't care about him. He's <laughs> bragging about delivering a baby. I didn't like him. Yo, anybody out there delivers babies, Jay wants to talk to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have one for you guys. I purposely did not say the name of the PVC manufacturing plant. What was the name of the plant? My God. I don't know. Let me see if it's in our recap. Franks and Barnes Associated Dangerous Plant. Uh, (laughs) Pete is wrong. Uh, My recap doesn't count as your notes. It does yeah. it does right now. Hold on. <laughs> the second guy owns a trouble to cut plus an old PVC manufacturing plant. Crap, I don't think it says in here. Damn it. <laughs> whoever whoever wrote this recap sucks. They should have put in the damn name. I don't I don't know. Polly first. Polly first. I knew that. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we like pizza, we have a cliffhanger at the end of four. So we gotta move on into that for episode five i'm sure one of you would like to talk about this about bosch's maneuvering here at the beginning of episode five so slick every time i think man you're getting a little old are you sure you're able to do this stuff now you are straight busted okay (laughs) there is there's no you are straight busted and without skipping a beat like i guess he must have had this plan just in case all of a sudden i'm crying I'm I'm here because I'm supposed to be here yeah. and turns the whole thing around to make it sound like he's doing some kind of audit check, yeah. whatever you want to call it, and threatening this poor guy's job who did a great job catching catching an yeah. intruder. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and then he's even like, here's my business card. I'm like, dude, come on, security guy that was doing things the right way. You you just gonna trust this, but Bosch is so like I'm about to fire your ass, and you're gonna do what I say because I'm who I say I like. Just you know, totally. You know what happened here, Jay? What? The security guard was a total rule follower, and then 15 <laughs> minutes later, he just totally broke the rules. And yeah. someone. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but how how slick? Because honestly. Uh, when when the prior episode ended, I was like, man. 
he is just completely screwed. And obviously, yeah. we know he's going to get out of it, whatever. But I, I never imagined the quick thinking here and right. the ability to pull it off like it was legit. Yeah, this one, I didn't envision this. No, and it was just so smooth. And I mentioned the word, you know, bravado in, in my recap, because he just, he did, he just, he pulled it off. He just played this other character. I think it's time to, to cash in a trivia question. Right? I mean, not a trivia question. I'm going to cash in my question for this episode right now with you guys. Cash it in. What did you think Bosch was going to do after season episode four, go to the se- episode five to get out of it? Because I thought he was going to beat the guy up and disarm him, <laughs> tie him up and leave. <laughs> Uh, I, I thought I thought he was going to be straight busted. We were going to see him held somewhere or whatever, whatever. You know, Rogers was going to come in and do whatever Roger. I, I honestly, I don't think that I thought for a second he was getting out of it. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of with Jay. I, I just didn't see how it would happen. I was like, he's caught. I think he's going to have to tie him up, beat him out, knock him out, put him somewhere, store him somewhere, you know, temporarily. Just to finish what he's doing. But no, now that you say that, I could see that could see Bosch doing it, but I'm you know, just he's not, not going to kill him. Yeah, but he's going to do yeah. something to take him out of the picture right. where you can't report back. Right. I thought at minimum he's going to be taken to some other location and have to try to talk his way out of it or something. You know, I didn't think he was going to get out of that plant that night so quickly with, with the guard. Let's mention the guard actually escorting him out. Genius. <laughs> he walks out and he gets in the car with Crate and Barrel. Just step back for a minute. The title of the episode is Plan B. This one was written by Chris Wu and directed by Alex Jakrowski. And yeah, that's the first thing that we see in the episode. But there's so much that goes on with the plant and Carl Rogers. Let's talk about a couple of the other stories so we can have a good flow through each of them. So let's talk a little bit about where Maddie is in this episode. We see her once. We have a scene with her and Raina. They're helping a pregnant homeless woman who's been hitchhiking from Oregon. And they get a place for her to stay, a place that's actually hard to get into. They get her some breakfast. It's like they're just, they've got a plan. They're really helping her out. She gets to the place and the lady decides she doesn't want to stay. And we don't know why. We don't know if she saw something, saw someone, knew something about that place. But then how would she know she's from Oregon? Really seems really odd. And I feel like this will come back at some point. It, it seems like it didn't really fit in, but but at the same time, they don't put stuff in that's not meant for, for some reason. You think it'll come back, Pete, in another season somehow? I think it's going to come back. And um, I think you're absolutely right. We've been trained now for so many seasons of Boss to kind of know what they're not just throwing this out there for no reason. If they're wasting TV time showing <laughs> you this place, yeah, it's because they're planting a seed for either really soon or even in the future for, you know, a season two or possibly season three, where that might be a big thing going on there. Yeah. I just feel like it's got to have some bigger meaning or a bigger. So I agree. A thousand percent. Okay. Well, another scene we have with Maddie, she gets a call from Preta Setong asking for some advice, like on a security system. And Maddie happens to be in the area and says that she could just stop by. And so she goes over to Preta's house. Which is a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, her heart's in the right place. It's good intention, but who says, I mean, no offense to Maddie, but who says that she's an expert on security systems to begin with? You know, I don't know. Listen, listen I'm going to speak on this now. Go ahead. Um, so Maddie is a cop, a boot going through, you know, what I would assume would be, you know, normal, you know, cop, you know, training mm-hmm. mentality things. Um, she has a lot of other stuff going on in her mind that they showed us last episode. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like a Bosch thing 
like she's starting to carry things all with her and, yeah. and like the way she's getting flashes of things i think is the way bosch gets flashes of things but they never mm-hmm. showed us bosch get those flashes on a regular basis where they're showing a little bit more maddie mm-hmm. at the same time you already have so much on your plate and you're already going through so much and you want to be so helpful you want to be the perfect you know person the perfect friend person cop mm-hmm. whatever you can't do it all at once there are rules to follow if you're going to be a cop and you're not on no Bosch level by any means. Mm-hmm. So my personal advice to my fave Maddie is to just kind of start towing the line a little bit more. You're, you're, you're stretching yourself in situations and you're putting yourself out there and it's, it's going to hurt you in the end. If you keep this up, I feel you have to focus more on the big picture and not yeah. the little things that you can't control is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I, I think we both agree pretty much on that, that, you know, like I said, her intentions are good, but she's really, she is struggling with boundaries and, and she's taking on too much. Yeah. And too much. Yeah. And so, so what if she recommended something and it ended up being a, you know, a bad thing, how she, what if she set the alarm system up and it was wrong and then something happened and she yeah. that forever. Don't yeah. you know, call somebody, help her, help her find somebody to call. Right. Right. Yeah. But one thing that she does get from Frida actually is she, uh, Frida tells Maddie about an app that talks about crimes in the neighborhood, un- unusual behaviors, things like that. And so Maddie checks out the app another time. And when she's back at the office and she writes some notes on her pad about other things where screens were being cut. So yes. she, she did find out about the app and is using that to just kind of keep track of some other incidents. But at the same time, is that even good? You know, because again, it's not her case. She needs to move on with current cases, cases she's called or, you know, situations she's called to. And it's by writing down notes and keeping track of similar things in the area. She's kind of doing detective work and she's not a detective. Becoming Bosch more and more every day. (laughs) Bosch more and more every day. So she does have a lunch with Harry later in the episode. So we'll get to that. But let's shift gears a little bit to Whitney Vance. See what we got going on there. Nothing good. <laughs> nah, it's not it's not looking good for Vance for sure. So, you know, Harry at this point knows that there's probably bugs in his office. Uh, he's being followed, the drones, all that. So he goes ahead and sweeps his office for bugs before he calls this time and he leaves a voicemail for Vance. The screen shifts over to Vance's bedside. He looks like he is indeed on his deathbed. David Sloan is standing there. He sees the message. He listens to Harry's message and then deletes it. Ida comes to the door and the nurse isn't there. And, you know, she's asking, you know, where's the nurse? And I guess she was on a break. So Sloan asks if Ida, his assistant of more than 40 years, which I feel like we hear that phrase, you know, I've heard it multiple times through the season that she is his assistant of over 40 40 years she comes to his side and she stays with him so that sloan can go and before the nurse gets back and she's reading him some kind of poetry i don't really understand it (laughs) i don't recognize it but apparently it's something that that he likes and is maybe of a comfort and she's reading that to him and then after she finishes she makes a comment that he never knew and I, i didn't really know what they were going for there it, I mean, I, at first I thought maybe was there some unreciprocated romantic feelings, but she uses the phrase, you know, you never, you never knew over, you know, after 40 years, you never knew. What did you guys take from that? Much I've done for you. How much I've done for you. How much I've stole from you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a cynical person. <laughs> yeah, I could see. I could. I, well, I could 
that I could see what you're saying, Jay. You know, you, you never realized, you know, the impact. Or Pete. I never realized how much money I made off of your this partnership. Or Pete. Sure enough, Harry finds out, he gets some contact information. He's still pursuing, you know, information about Nick Santanello. Who is this woman in the photo? Is it his baby? You know, trying to put the pieces together. He reaches out and he's able to find out some of the others that were in his group. And Hallie Lewis is the name of one of them. And we remember Lewis was the name on the, the shirt when he was doing the swim test. So this must, we're thinking this is the guy he did the swim test for. And so of all the, the folks in his unit or whatever, Hallie Lewis is still living. Harry goes to visit him and doesn't, he doesn't remember a lot. I mean, it's been a long time. I like uh, this guy, Lewis. Yeah. I liked him too. I like him. He's, right. Yeah. He's yeah. He's pretty straightforward. He's trying to remember, tell him what he can don't trust him. You don't, don't trust him, <laughs> but he tells him straight up, you know, the details are kind of sketchy, but he does remember a photojournalist that was stationed or that came when they were stationed at Camp Pendleton and she was doing some interviews and Nick was one of the people she interviewed and he like saw the sparks flying right away. So he wonders if maybe that, maybe that's the woman in the picture. He can't remember her name, but surely that must be the woman uh, with the baby in the photos. And we learn that Hallie Lewis did know that Nick had, had snuck back to the mainland at some point after going to Vietnam. So that had to be, you know, him taking the picture. So they wondered if he did that as something very risky to do in regard to your, you know, your military career. But Hallie confirms that he did at some point make a trip. Slick Nick Santanello. Slick Nick. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, again, we said we'd see Maddie having some um, time with Harry. They go out to lunch and a new story comes on that billionaire Whitney Vance has passed so indeed he was on his deathbed she can tell that Harry's like somehow affecting him and she asked you know who it is and he said that it was you know now a former client and when he leaves the lunch and heads out Sloan calls him and says you know that Vance will no longer be needing his services I don't even know if Harry says goodbye on that phone call I think he just hangs up on him (laughs) do you remember it's a messed up phone call yeah, it's just obviously Harry would have heard. Yeah, it's just kind of like what? Yeah, what's your point? You know, just like kind of sticking it to him or something. I don't know. But at that lunch, Maddie does try to confide in Harry a little bit about Prita and where you have the boundaries and can you care? How much can you care? How much can you do about it? Any thoughts you wanted to share on that conversation? This like- conversation goes back to my previous statement. Bosch is in no position to give Maddie advice on, on boundaries and, you know, minding, minding your business and following rules at the same time, out of all the advice you can get from your father, Maddie, that is the one territory you should not go there for. There are plenty of other people to talk to in the department that, you know, (laughs) that will give you better advice about like, where's billets. Yeah. 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 Why is she going to billets for that conversation? That'd be a great time to bring billets back. You know, you want advice. She's in the system. You know, she's, she knows about boundaries and following rules. You go to Bosch, who's a known unrule follower. You know yeah. I mean? like, no, that is that's an interesting point, Pete. That that is a good point. Yeah, if you're if you're talking about how to stay within boundaries and stay with you know color inside the lines, Harry might not be the the best person. Yeah. But she does. You know, she's obviously close to him, and maybe she just needed to say some of that stuff out loud. Who knows? Yes. Get her off look, my chest, vent. You look like you're thinking about something there, Jay. 
I'm just listening to you guys. I have nothing <laughs> creative to add. All right, how about something uncreative then, Jay? <laughs> yeah, something <laughs> boring and dull to share. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one other thing we see in this episode, you know, Bosch goes back and visits his house and visits his beautiful view out over the city. And he talks to the inspector and uh, he's pretty nervous because, you know, he admits he doesn't have the earthquake insurance. And he's, the inspector says he'll put up an estimate for the cost of the repairs. And Harry's starting to worry, might he even have to sell his house? Take this is good money. news. This is good news. First of all, it's over, Harry. You're losing your house. Second of all, I feel like this is good news. I feel like somehow in the back of my mind, it's a film editing thing. And to have that house to film probably costs more money. So if they say, hey, we want to do Boss Legacy season two, three, four, five. We have to give them in a normal household on a normal street that we film on. I'm just saying. Well, spoiler alert with the books. So here's your chance to pause if you don't want to hear it. In the books, his house gets red tagged and he does get it back. He does move back into the house. So it will be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I see your I see your point, Pete. That's a good which again, uh, which again proves that I really have never even looked at the book <laughs> or touched the book on the outside, nonetheless the inside to know what the story is with my prediction. Yeah, if you didn't believe us, if you weren't sure, Pete has not read the books. All right. Well, let's move back to all the action with trying to take down Carl Rogers. So after Harry gets away that night, he uh, makes a visit to Honey's house and they talk about what was uncovered the night before. And yes, they revisit the, the topic. Rogers is stealing gasoline via a tap into the Drysdale pipeline that um, is running beneath, how convenient, you know, under the PVC manufacturing plant. But it's not making money fast enough to pay the Ivanovich brothers. So yes, Mo has cleaned up this audio from Crate and Barrel. And what's going on in that conversation, you know, if we couldn't hear everything as the viewers, they want the pipeline guy, Penzac, to get approval for some maintenance to shut down the pipeline so they can create a second tap. So they don't want to just steal gas in one place. They want to steal it from two places and get twice as much gas, twice as much money so he can pay these pay these guys off. Which now, makes sense. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like Let's mathematically. Start, you know, I, I just question, I'm sitting there, I'm like, if they're going to open up a second tap, yeah, you have the maintenance. Why not just open up two more and make it four? You know, I mean, like, yes, mathematically, you get four times the income. You can feed everybody. Mathematically, it it definitely makes sense. But this goes back to I, I'm thinking about when Jay calls him, you know, an egomaniac. Rogers, he's just do it, do it, just do it, do it. When he's not the one, I mean, he's at risk. Obviously, these guys are after him, but he's not the one who has to convince the refinery to bring the the pipeline down for maintenance again. He's got to come up with some really strong story. And it puts his job at risk. You know, it's fishy. Why do, you, why do we need to do maintenance again? And I think he talks about some corrosion or something. And he gets them to, to agree to shut the pipeline down. But, you know, he's, he's putting this guy at risk. And again, thinking about himself. I mean, they all are. They're all in on this operation, all benefiting from it. But as we talked about for the last episode, there's just way too many ways for this to go wrong. But they do confirm they're, pl- they're planning to shut it down and do a second tap so then they talk about that key fob and they think about the explosives and they start putting the pieces together there and they realize that that's sort of aslan's uh fail safe that 
if anyone comes by or anything starts getting investigated, they can just blow up the whole thing and no evidence of what they were doing. So Bosch puts together the idea of, okay, let's find out when they're shutting it down, when they're going to do the second tap, and let's detonate or, you know, set off those explosives on our end so it will shut down the operation. So they will no longer have the first tap or the second tap. So, you know, he wants to... Which, by the way, Mm -hmm. after all the seasons of Bosch, I feel like this might be one of his worst ideas. (laughs) I don't know how it's going to play out, but blowing up a gas pipeline tap just doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound thought out enough where you don't know how big the explosion is going to be and who's going to get hurt. It doesn't like, sound good, but, like, but hold, on, I, hold on. So like if this thing blows up and one person is still in the tap in the pipeline and dies or two people or eight people, even if they're bad guys and Bosch is responsible for it, doesn't that make Bosch a murderer? They're turning the pipeline off, though. There's going to be no active gas flow. But they're going to blow up something. They're going to blow up something, but they're just so if somebody. Like, so if there's somebody there that dies from right. that explosion, that makes him a murderer, right? It does. But okay. but yes, no, that's a good point. But Bosch, there, there's some different things that need to happen. And he says, basically, Honey needs to find out when they're going to do it. Mo needs to figure out how to set it off. Yeah, get into that remote that doesn't exist. How to uh, um, access that signal. He has to get close enough to ask, access that signal. And he's very clear that they can't blow it up if anyone's inside there. So because that's murder. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that is part of his thought process. He does not want to murder anyone, obviously. But I mean, good thing to ask about. But that's that's part of the process. And that's part of um, that's the first thing I thought of. If anybody yeah. gets hurt from collateral damage, it's going to be a murder case. Yeah. Well, that's that's what, you know, again, makes this more and more risky because there are a lot of different things that have to happen at the right time for it to work. So let's get into how they try to make these things happen. Honey approaches Simon Wakefield. And if you remember from the last episode, she has some dirt on his son. And Simon is having breakfast with his son and his grandson. So Honey asks him to come out, step outside privately, which is nice that he doesn't say this in front of the grandson. But she tells Simon, I know what your son's been doing. Apparently he's been making fraudulent appraisals so that loans could go through, um, you know, some financial crimes. And that also involved Carl Rogers. So she's, she's got that on him. So she says, you are going to tell me when they are planning to do the second tap. And Simon, he, uh, yeah, he's, he doesn't really have a choice. You know, she, she's got him. She's got him. But what Honey doesn't realize is that Lev Ivanovich is watching this conversation happening. So that does not seem to be on her mind. That concerns me that they're not thinking about where the Ivanovich brothers are in all this. Well, later... Wakefield gets the word of the time of the tap and old Lev shows up. He's there. He strangles Wakefield and dumps his body and his phone into the pool before Honey can get the message about when the tap, the second tap is going to be created. She discovers him. That's, that's, that's a bad discovery. But right away, she grabs the the net for the the pool and, you know, drudges up the phone and gives it to Mo, hoping that they can recover data off of it anything you want to share about that scene it's pretty uh pretty gruesome it, it again reminds us of how evil the ivanovich brothers are honey also meets with samuel kim of the u.s attorney's office because she still it's not just that 
I mean, their ultimate goal is to convict Rogers. They're trying to get all this intel on him and stop things from happening, stop him from getting away with these crimes, but they want him to be convicted for his crime. So she wants to turn the whole case over to the U.S. Attorney's Office. She, she wants him to be tortured for life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the U.S. Attorney even says, you know, well, why is life in prison okay? You know, you're not going for something else. And she's like, no, I just want him to be miserable and stuck for the rest of his life, you know, thinking about what he's done. So they, they do come to an agreement. She says that she can get him, she doesn't really say how, but she can get him to confess and that he has information on the Bratva, the Russian Bratva that they can use. And so will they take the case? And, and they agree to, he's, she says that he will turn himself over. So we'll see how that's supposed to happen. Mo does salvage the data from the phone and tells Honey when they're going to be doing the shutdown that night. Yeah, Penzac does manage to convince them to shut down for some more maintenance. Honey gives Harry the time. There's mention of a blueprint that was also in Wakefield's phone. They got some other data off of it besides just that text message. Um, and this will come up, I think, in another episode. There's a blueprint that has the name Plano on it as in, well, it first thought it might be Plano, Texas, but Honey knows that it's also the name of an import-export company. So Mo figures out how to capture the fail-safe signal. So they've got that in order. But again, like we talked about, Harry has to get close enough and has to make sure no one's inside the garage when he, he blows it. So yeah, the key is to get close enough. So we see the, the Aslan and his crew coming up, driving into the plant. They're getting ready to install the tap and Bosch is not close enough. So he's got to get closer. So they do some noise or something that distracts the security guards. And so they get away from the garage that just kind of pauses Aslan for a moment. And they say, you know, it was probably a, a coyote. Meanwhile, Bosch has jumped over the fence and is now inside the plant. And I don't know if he lets them or it just happens, but it, 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 it works out because the security guards see him and they shout intruder. So again, that pauses Aslan from going into the garage. Cause again, they need to blow this thing when no one's in there. And Aslan, you know, they pull guns on him or something. And, but Bosch keeps slowly moving forward with his hands in the air with the gadget in the air that Mo has given him. And finally, he gets just close enough, tells Mo, and boom, it lights up the whole tunnel underneath the plant and destroys the operation. Bo, Bo, Mosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> breathe, girl, breathe. Bo, Bo. Bo and, and Mosh. I made what that. Are you talking Mo, about? Mo. What did I say? Bo? What did I say? Bo? Bo, Bo, Mosh. That's what you said. Bosch and Mo get away. Uh, so they they did what they went in there, set in there to, to do. So while this is all happening, Honey is with Rogers and his attorney, last name Keating, and they're talking about negotiating with the civil suit and looking at an amount. You know, they, she, they don't know why she's completely there. But Carl gets a phone call and he is very surprised when she's like, oh, get it. It might be Aslan. And he's like, what? How do you even know his name? You know, he, he panics. You know, he takes the call. He learned, learns about the explosion. And then he realizes, honey, knows everything that's going on. She's the balls in her court now. She can basically ask for what she wants. She specifies the amount that he has to pay Bella and the terms of him turning himself in to the U.S. attorney's office. And she has it all recorded on tape. So pretty slick, right? He's amazing. Oh. All the pieces 
fell into place. And that's about it for that. We think we think we're all set, you know, that he's going to turn himself over to the U.S. Attorney's Office the next morning. They feel like they have succeeded. Do you guys, I'm going to start out with just this question. Do you guys feel relief at this point? Do you feel success? Chuck and mate. Okay. That's a good response. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, you know, for me, that that whole scene that you ended with there and Honey, you know, tell him to answer the phone and the way the tide turns so quickly, mm-hmm. that's like, it's like one of the biggest wins Honey could ever have. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. so I feel like, yeah, yeah, checkmate. Yeah. It, that's it. You won. Yeah. That's it. Whether it's jail time or the death penalty or just the ability to go into that room and mess with them so bad and have complete control, that's such a huge win. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think I felt that too. And I, I think about what Pete said, kind of in that moment, he talked about how he thought one case usually wraps up and then one lingers. Right. The last episode, Pete was saying he thought the Vance one was going to you know, maybe wrap up and this other one linger. Isn't that right? Is that what you said, Pete? Yes. Okay. But, it, but then when this happens, you're like, oh, well, maybe this is the one that's wrapping up, you know, and they got him. They no more Carl Rogers, you know, we've had enough of him anyway. It feels but, like it, but it's resolved. Is, is this case officially done? Because don't some people still owe some money to some other scary people? Well, right. No, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. It, it, There's a fallout here. Yeah, no, it's, it's not totally wrapped up, but I think the three of us feel success at this point. Like, like they nabbed him, like they got him because he's going to turn himself over. But you're right. They're not thinking about the Ivanovich brothers. So do you think that's a big... I, I think um, personally as a prediction that Carl Rogers is going to have to give these guys up and Bosch is going to have to pursue these guys. And that might be the other part of the season. Yeah. As a prediction. Right. Well, I, yeah, I'm just yeah, kind of wondering, like we feel like there's success there. Are they just in having a blind spot and not thinking about these Russians that are out there or do I they feel like I feel like the Carl Rogers situation is a success and that might be done but I feel like that's just going to open up a bigger scarier case that puts our guy in a bigger scarier position because we're only on episode five personally what do you think Jay are they not accounting for all the threats that are out there I don't think they need to because think about it dude's gonna go to prison or he's gonna meet his end if those Russian dudes come through I I think like no nah, I, don't, I don't think they're missing anything I'm just I saying they win no matter that- what do you guys think that the Russian guys are going to get like, okay, he's gone. We can't get our money. Let's leave. Oh, but even if they kill him, like it's still a win. I don't think they're going to kill him though. I think they're going to go, okay, you, you know, you cost us this money. You owe us the money now. Well, once he gets handed over to the, or the U S attorney's office, do you think that the Ivanovich brothers have any reason to go after honey that's what i'm Harry. saying this, this could be really scary oh, no because really there's there's no money there they're, they're still gonna kill carl rogers man they don't care about no honey or no botch nah well that's what i was trying to think through like what is like it are honey and harry useful to them in, in any way not for money like you said even though you know honey is well to do i think they would eliminate honey just to just to try to create some sort of mistrial to get Rogers off the hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't. I mean, I'm not trying to say that Honey and Harry aren't smart, but they, Honey's in danger. That's what my prediction is. 
I, I still, I, I feel success, but I still feel like there's other threats out there that maybe they're not thinking. It's not over. It's too early. If it was, if it was episode eight, I would say, okay, it's over. We're done. <laughs> it's still yeah. too early. It is. It is. It's early. That's right. All right. What questions, uh, Pete? You asked a question earlier. Do you have one? Okay. Yeah. Is is Bosch taking too many risks? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. He's out of his mind. I think he's crazy here, man. Yeah. Like, I told you guys, just a matter of time before Bosch just starts going crazy in commando. And I mean, blowing up pipeline. In this episode, it felt completely like he and Honey were going rogue. I mean, her approaching Wakefield like that, you know, yeah. basically blackmailing yeah. him, showing yeah. up to his house, finding a dead body. I'm like, what? what is she doing? They did their own illegal operation. I don't yeah. know why anybody hasn't addressed this yet. <laughs> good question it's a good question they set up the whole operation they they blew up a pipeline purposely to get him to cave this is all illegal activity boss trespassed and broke into things and well they blew up just to be clear they blew up the tap they didn't blow up the okay but still you blew up something isn't that like arson (laughs) they did did blow up something arson like isn't that illegal to blow up anything yeah you're not allowed to blow up stuff you know, like they blackmailed, they, they extorted, they blew up, you know, they, yeah. they got their point. And Carl Rogers can, you know, I don't care about him. I'm glad he got, he's the one that, that was, but let's not, let's, let's call a spade a spade here, people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, no, it's, uh, and then, so this was episode five. So at least we got to go right into six. So even though we're not going to talk about it tonight, viewers got to see what happens next, but we will talk about six and seven on the next podcast and then eight and nine and then we'll devote one to the finale but any more questions before we talk about our person of interest nope i have nope. um since you said they're right in the writer's room i just want to make a suggestion okay I feel like we didn't see a lot of mo this a couple episodes he did he did his part as a sidekick yeah but my suggestion to the boss writers if my opinion means anything at all guys <laughs> I would request one episode in which I see a Mo flashback of how okay. he got himself into the business, what he had to go through, any any old boss that he had that he had to like maneuver around. Give me some yeah. sort of story because ah. Mo's, Mo's here now. Yeah, it does make you wonder. Like, did, did no. Mo ever? No. Did Mo ever work for a security company or something? And then yeah, how does he know all this stuff? For some reason, yeah. Like, oh, I think that would be interesting. Now, He's Jay, gonna what? die anyway. Who cares? <laughs> Thanks, Jay. He's going to die anyway. Where do you get this from? At this point, I would say Jay's opinions are his own and not no way associated <laughs> with everybody's back counts podcast. He has no future information about the season, the shows, the episodes. He's need Mo. I mean, he's got some team. cool gadgets and stuff, whatever, but no. Yo, Let he's him... just a chill dude. He's so? like, yo, I've been so? thinking the same thing. Yo, just look up. You've been looking up, yo. I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. Like, come on, bro. She's smooth. I'm sorry, Jay. he's going to die. You've gone with the flattery tonight, but I'm completely team Pete on this one. So I want to get Mo in an interview and I want to talk to him with Jay here. And I want to hear Jay tell him he needs to die in the show. <laughs> yeah. Would you do that? Yeah, you do that I'm Jay? fine with that. I'll be I'm like, listen, buddy. Okay. I think you All do right. a great job on the show, but sadly you're going to need to die. Okay? Next it's poll. Just... Next poll. Do you want to see a Mo flashback episode? Let's do it. All right, that's the next poll. Let's do it. Well, everybody, everybody wants to see him die a gruesome death, man. Like, you know, maybe he's helping Bosch with something crazy, and like he's the guy that takes one for the team, man. Here's the silver lining in that. I do know for a fact from watching a lot of TV shows in my day that if the episode is indeed the episode in which Mo's gonna get it, 
and no longer be part of the show, that's most likely the best chance I have of seeing somewhat of a flashback of him. That's true. That's true. That's true. If he's not going to make it, and you, you see a you see? flashback, yeah. then we all win here. Be we careful. Careful what we wish for, maybe. Yes. I don't know. Mm. Okay. We're going to finish up here with our person of interest. And I do have one trivia question. So tell me who you chose. Going with Honey. Because I feel like, again, she got her retribution. Like she got to look the evil right in the eye and totally flip the script, make mm-hmm. his life a living hell. And she just, it's just such a major victory in so many ways. Yeah, I'm giving it to her. She was pretty slick. Some, uh, yeah, I mean, she had that bravado this episode, the way she threatened him, True. the way she acted yep. in that meeting. Yeah. And so you, Pete, did you already say your person? No, I, I did. I, I did have honey on my list, but I've been saving this one for the season. I think this is the, this is the episode to drop it. I think Bosch is my person of interest. Interest. He's going off the rails, doing commando stuff. He was super slick in this episode. I, I think this is this was a good time for me to choose Bosch as my person of interest in the season. In which an episode where you guys have other people to choose. So mm-hmm. I'm not like you know taking something that you guys already thought of. It's it's oh it's all it's on. The, the season is here. We're halfway through the season. This is Bosch, the writers. This is what happens. It's about to kick into full gear and Bosch's full-blown Rambo commando. And I appreciate it and like it. And it's good television. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hmm. Who am I going to choose? Let's see. I don't know. Maybe just based on our prior conversation, maybe I should go with Mo. Because he got the phone back. He got the, he got the data off the phone. He figured good pick, out- Tracy. Good pick. <laughs> he figured out how to access the signal. I mean, there's a lot of stuff... Honey couldn't have done what she did if she didn't, if he didn't fix the phone. Bosch, superhero, couldn't have done what he did if he didn't know how to access the signal. So, boom. Mo, you get it this episode. There you go. I, don't, I think that, I mean, what more is there to say, right? Gotta go to Mo's. <laughs> Team Mo. Jay, sometimes I think you just try to be difficult. <laughs> no, I am no. never difficult. Okay, I do have a trivia question, but do you have one too, Pete? Of course I have one. Okay, who's goes first? <laughs> you can go first this one. Okay. What was the time frame that they were going to install the second tap? There was a, t- a window of time. Three weeks. <laughs> no, that, okay, I'm going to try to help you a little bit. That, that was night. Nice. That's what he said. He goes, we got three weeks. We got three weeks before we can do this. And he goes, we got to okay. push it up. Well, let me, let me, let me clarify that. Between I, eight and 10. Yeah, that's what I was going for. The time that, the literal time that they were going to install the tap. Not how long they had to do it. So do I get so half credit? You can have quarter credit. I, I knew how long it took them to do it. I didn't even know. No, that was good. I wouldn't. Have, I don't think I would have known that. But yeah, Jay's right. Between I was like three weeks. I'm not waiting three weeks in TV time for this to go down. Like, are they going to do a flash forward episode? Between 8 and 10 p.m. Okay. So. Okay. Fair enough. Jay got it. All right. Go all ahead right. with yours. For all you people who like the... Press pause and read things, thinking Pete's going to do this as a trivia question. I hope you did that this episode. At the end of episode five, the very end, Honey is on her cell phone, and she looks at her cell phone and has a call log. Who is the second person from the top on her call list? What is the name? Wakefield. Nope. Just a guess. Jay? Natty. Nope. Keating. It's Frank C. Oh. I don't know who Frank C is, Okay. but she called him or he called her. All right, so yeah, right. that's a good one. That's that's reasonable. That's not like a license plate number. So yeah, you were able to put it. It was like it was shown where you'd have to pause it to see. Yeah, it. yeah. If you watch it again, you'll see it like clear. Like oh, yeah. like uh, you know, just a quick. 
snap. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, good job. All right. We have an interview coming up with Denise Sanchez, who plays Reina Vasquez. That's going to be awesome. She's an awesome character, awesome actor. So she's also very active on Twitter. So follow her. Yeah. Yeah. And Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else, guys, for tonight? That was a good job getting through two episodes. We're going to do two at a time until we get to the finale. Get things moving through. Content coming out faster for you. And that's about it. Any closing comments, Jay? Love you, you, Crate and Barrel. (laughs) That's a good comment. I second that, Crate and Barrel. No, you you can't. They're mine. You can't? They're mine. They're mine. They're yours. They're mine. Okay. Up off my Crate and Barrel, Tracy. (laughs) Anything else from you, Pete? Saddle up, boys. It's about or girls. It's about to get crazy and bumpy in this Bosch ride. If you guys think that it's settled down now and it's almost over, you're not even close. There's like a whole half a season, and God knows what's going to happen. Right, you're right, you're right. This is a lot has happened for half of a season. Absolutely. All right, well, we'll be back for the second half of the season before too long. Thanks, guys. We're See out. You. Bye. Later. And now it's time for our interview with Denise Sanchez. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. We're here with Denise Sanchez, who plays Officer Reina Vasquez on Bosch Legacy. We have really been looking forward to talking with Denise. So many questions, so much so much we want to learn about her character and about her. But I have to say, Jay, Denise, yes. starting off tonight, it's just the perfect timing because Jay has lost another poll on Twitter. So, And it's in favor of our guest. So especially when it's in favor of our guest. So I don't know if you have any closing comments, Jay, or any any thoughts on your end. No, I'm leaving. But the vast majority of people voted that, yes, indeed, Pepto-Bismol was the perfect (laughs) description, the perfect color description for Trejo's Donuts, not not bubblegum. I mean, even Maddie conceded, Jay. So I I don't see why you're wrong. They're wrong. It's that simple. (laughs) Jay had this whole theory about that it just couldn't be that because it gave a bad connotation to food but yeah. i mean a, a color is yeah. a color jay i mean if that's the color so. i'm done it talking to you Tracy. <laughs> definitely pepto-bismol sorry about it niece <laughs> come on <laughs> you got us stirred up already but uh, i'm curious denise when you saw that in the script was that exactly how it was written or um that's exactly how it was written yep okay and then when I saw the building, because I, I, you know, I had gone to Trejo's Tacos before, and that's like off La Brea on South La Brea. And I hadn't actually driven by the Trejo's Donuts location. Mm-hmm. Although I thought, I didn't think I did, right? Because I, I drove by it once and it was like under construction and there were still no Trejo signs over. And so when I drove by it, I was like, oh my God, I'm like, this is what they're talking about. It is. Yeah. Yes. It's perfect. It's perfect. So I'm sorry, Jay. I'm really not no, trying to not. make you look bad. No, but you're not. You made your choice. Can I get to the hard hitting questions now? You can. You can. Good. Let's proceed. Go for it. <laughs> so Tracy very nicely puts together this list and you'll ask this, and, but I'm, I'm not listening to her list. I need to know why you're not doing this interview from a hammock. <laughs> That's so funny. I was I was visiting my family like a couple weeks back and I was like laying in their hammock and you know LA here real estate is crazy so I don't have a backyard like that to have a hammock up there so I was just doing all of my work from there I had my laptop nice. on there you couldn't get me out of that my mom was like it's starting to get dark do you want to come in I'm like nope I'm fine <laughs> just swinging away oh that sounds really good see we've got the mosquitoes already here in Georgia 
Oh, really? So, yeah. So that kind of, that's a bummer, but I, I love hammocks and just love that. I love the idea of even sleeping outside. Would, would you was, sleep out there? Oh, yes. I actually took several naps out there. It was perfect. Uh-huh. I put on my little eye goggles. So it wasn't so bright for me. And I would just knock out for like an hour and a half. And my mom would be like, you know, when you would lay down in the, na- in the hammock, it kind of burritos you a little bit. So yeah. she stick her head out. She's like, where is Denise? And I'm like, right here. I just like, stick my hand out. She's like, oh, you're still out there. I'm like, yeah, mom, I'm totally in the middle of a nap right now. Awesome. Um, if you haven't seen it, Tracy, get on yeah. her Instagram. There's a picture. Okay. She got her phone up to her ear, like just chilling <laughs> in this hammock. I'm like, I need to see this. This better be what I see when we get on tonight. Next yeah. time. Next time. Next or time maybe- when I'm home. <laughs> Let me ask a semi-serious question. Now. All right, let's do it. While we're obviously not actors, we we realize all the hard work and kind of dedication that goes into that craft. And, you know, you're here all smiles and a nice person. However, we see you on screen and you just play it so cool. How? How? Any trade secrets here? Um, you know, <laughs> not really. Other The only thing I can think of is just that, like, when I took on the role of Raina, there is definitely a part of me that's like her, okay. not the majority of me. So I would say out of a hundred percent, she's probably like 30% of me, like the, you know, the, the, and I think everybody kind of has that in sure. them. You just have to kind of tap into it. And for me, this was fun, you know, to do. Cause I, you know, I, I was just like, Oh, I could, I feel like I can really nail this. And then I auditioned and then I got the call back and I landed the role and I really sunk my teeth into it. Once I got it, I was like, Oh, I'm going full throttle. Oh yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's totally well, fun. It paid off. It, it's just yeah, such a great it. representation. You're like, you, it, it's kind of like, I want to know that person. Mm-hmm. Like that would be a cool person, but I'm also a little scared of her. So you know, it's kind totally. of a little bit of both. So totally, totally. We've, we've talked on the podcast already about how Vasquez seems to keep the personal side a little close to the vest. Is, is that part of the protocol of being a training officer? Or do you think it's kind of her own choice or some of both? What do you think about the character in that regard? I definitely think it's both. You know, as Maddie's training officer, she can't let her in too much because there has to be that sort of respect level. And, you know, once you get too personal, it becomes something that it shouldn't be, especially in that position where she's still training Maddie. But also I think as Raina, just in general, she's more of a private person with her relationships to other people. It, within the department, what you see is what you get, and she doesn't go too personal with it. So it's definitely both. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. You know, I'm. I'm I think we're all kind of hoping that we we get to learn and see more of Asquez in the future. And with, without spoiling anything, of course, if there are any spoilers out there, <laughs> were you given any kind of backstory to her, or did you kind of draw anything kind of from yourself? So they definitely gave me a template of like, you know, key points to keep in mind, especially when I was auditioning for her. Mm-hmm. The first generation Mexican-American, the middle of four boys. So that's pretty much all they gave me. Okay. And the rest I was left to build out for myself. Okay. Um, she, also, she wants to make detective, you know, eventually at some point. That's her goal. So that, that oh, kind okay. of through line of like what she is and currently what she wants to be in the future. And it's nice to have that piece of information because you know how to kind of build her. Right. Um, But pretty much, you know, um, once I got the character breakdown and I auditioned and the rest is pretty much up to me, how I interpreted the lines, how I wanted to deliver it, Mm -hmm. her relationship with Maddie pretty much kind of just came from where I would just imagine to, if I was ever a training officer with somebody and the camaraderie between women in the department, all that comes from just, you know, me sitting down and going pen to paper and just really trying to develop her. Okay. 
So, so something I, I think I read it somewhere. You mentioned that you kind of got that mean mugging face <laughs> from your dad. And then, and then earlier today, I watched the interview on the zoo mm-hmm. and you brought up how you weren't a rule follower as like a teenager. <laughs> so <clears throat> I have to ask, what did yeah. you do to get that look from your dad? Well, it was a lot of those looks that my dad gave me, especially in high school. And I was like, oh, man, man, I did a lot of, you know, I was a wild child. I had definitely had a wild streak in me, especially when I hit high school. To the point where my parents actually sent me off to private school. Okay. Yeah, I was in public school. And then when I, by the time I hit high school, my parents were like, you know, this could go left. And I recognize it now as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just in my wild teens. Hormones were going crazy. I was, I don't like my mom goes back often and she says like, do you remember you did this? Do you remember you did that? And I'm like, I don't remember doing any of it. <laughs> and, I, and I honestly just believe it was crazy raging hormone teens. And I just blocked it out, you yeah, know, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because she'll bring some stuff up. Like, you know, I purposely tried to fail my entrance exam to the private school because I didn't want to go. And I sat in the car <laughs> screaming and crying and saying, I'm not going. <laughs> and then she'll tell you for, she loves to tell people that like, I try to um, drop out of high school to be, to work in a tobacco shed. Like, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And I look back on it now and that's so not, not who I am. Like, I'm just like, oh my God, like, I can't even believe right. I did those things, but that's where the face came in. Cause every day my dad yeah. was just there with his hands crossed and looking at the me. The hands like, crossed, yeah. Yeah, with just like the, oh my God, what happened? Where did we go wrong? Oh, wow. Uh, and, wow. and look at you now. Look at you. Right. Now. I know. So. I know. It's funny because my my uh, my mom's friends they keep up with her on on Facebook, and you know my mom always says like when she was at work, I would stress her out so bad that she would like have to take million coffee breaks. And so like now that her old coworkers stay in touch with her on Facebook, they see you know I'm on the show right. now. They're right. Like oh my god, like I remember when your daughter stressed you so out. like she had you just crying in the bathroom by herself. And look at her, my mom's like I know it's like a total just. Night it all again. works out in the end. Yeah, yeah. It makes it makes it all the more sweeter now. Exactly. So. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you brought up Raina being interested in detective because I kind of have this like goal in my head for Maddie and Raina to be like a not to be like someone else to be their own partnership. But I'm hoping they they're able to somehow continue working together. I imagine being a training officer that you don't typically do that, but you know. There's writers in the writer's room. They could figure this out. So yeah. I, I have this vision of them being like a Bosch and Jay Edgar kind of solid, just this amazing inspirational partnership. And so do you foresee them staying together as partners, building on their work relationship? Or do you envision them building more on maybe a personal relationship? I definitely, I mean, I hope, you know, I, I don't have any. Right information about that but my hope would be that they would work together in the future and hopefully develop a like a friendship outside of work right Mm -hmm. but definitely I I see that happening I hope that the writers agree (laughs) yeah me too me too (laughs) Um, but I definitely see that there's absolutely room from there because as much as Maddie needs to learn from Vasquez Vasquez has a lot to learn for Maddie too you know oh yeah blossom into something beautiful yeah 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 well there's just definitely some great chemistry between the two of you I I can I can see a lot forthcoming from that so I got fingers crossed (laughs) and then there'll be the spinoff to the spinoff 
Yes. Yeah. After you you make detective in like season five. Right. Right? That would be so cool. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Now, did you, uh, before you got into this whole Bosch world, did you read the books, watch the previous show on Amazon or was this all kind of new to you? I did watch the show previously because I had um, auditioned for a couple co-stars in the past for the original series okay. um, like other fives co-stars and so before I got the audition for Raina I would was, I was very familiar with the show I hadn't read the books but I was very familiar with the show because it was mm-hmm. always down the breakdown pipeline for me okay. so as an actor you know our job is like as soon as you get an audition you watch the show or you get familiar with it so and I loved it I loved it I was like this is awesome you know so pretty cool. literal dream come true and awesome. now you fit right in. Any any interaction with uh, Mr. Connolly? I met him at the uh, premiere, the mm-hmm. FYC, and then I've been previously to that too. I can't remember twice, but he's great. He's great. He's so awesome. awesome. Like I went up to him and I was like, "Hi," uh, you know. I'm just there's just a lot of like you know the same thing with Titus. I had only met Titus once on set, and Mimi, and we were like two ships in the night. So that day, I got to meet everybody that I didn't actually have scenes with, and then of course. Okay. Michael Connolly. So it was like a lot of firsts when I went, I was like, I don't know if you guys know who I am. They're like, of course you know who you are. <laughs> I, was like, I wasn't sure. I just wanted to say hello. And of course, Michael was there and, and you know, I, I went up to him and I was like, I don't. And he's like, I hope we're high. <laughs> I didn't think about the fact, I mean, we just take for granted that we know all the characters on the show and who's who yeah. that you, you didn't interact with, with so many of those on screen. So yeah, yeah. there was a lot of just like for like meet and greets for me. And I was totally fangirling out too. <laughs> I, I can understand that. Yeah. And, and now everybody's going to be fangirling around you. So oh, man. You set you set the bar. One question I usually really enjoy asking actors from the show is what they think about their wardrobe. Like, are there pieces you'd like to wear in real life? But you pretty much wore your police uniform. I think we saw you in jeans maybe once in the locker room. But so since we're talking about primarily the, the police uniform, do you have any commentary on that? Things you like, didn't like wearing the kit? How did that go? What was that like every day? Putting it on over and over. Yeah, you know, honestly, like I got it down to a T. Like at first when I was, you know, went from the fitting to the first day to the last day, like at first I was like, where does this go? And and luckily, you know, we have props helping us with the belt when it came to like the t-shirt and then the, you know, the the vest and then the belt and all of that was very confusing at the beginning. But towards the end, I got it down. I was like, I don't need your help. I'm fine. Yeah. I need to take this off. I'm, you know. So it was cool. And, you know, honestly, there's, it's actually like really nice to just kind of put on the same thing every day because you don't okay. have to think about it and you, there's yeah. no fuss, you know where everything goes. You literally go from your trailer to makeup to putting it on and there's no fuss wardrobe messing with you. It's just like, it's on as long as everything's in line with everything, then it's mm-hmm. good. It just made the mornings really easy, you know? That makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. yeah. Very surprised as to how heavy the belt was, you I, know? I, and, I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew that had some weight to it, but then I think, you know, working... And shooting under the California sun just made it for like, whew. Sure, sure. Oh, man. I like hats off to like LAPD and anybody just working in this weather and having to wear all the tactical gear because I know that like when I would take it off at the end of the day and I would give it back to wardrobe and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Here you go. It is a sopping wet mess. (laughs) (laughs) Send it to the scooters. To me, it's intimidating just thinking about the weight of it, but then I don't even think about what it must be like to move in it. I mean, that's a whole different issue, you know, running and, oh, yeah, maneuvering, so. The boots, yeah, the boots. Okay. It was an episode with Sneezy. 
Yeah. Um, and we were running and I remember I was like, okay, these are fine to run in. And then at like, after the sixth take, I was like, my toes, oh my God, my toes. There's, and they're just heavy, they're heavy. So like I came home and I just like got into the hot tub and I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> my was like wearing ankle weights all day or something. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that, that would be, that would be tough. Speaking of the uniform and running and stuff, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that you must've worked with Mitzi and Tim, the uh, law enforcement consultants. What was that like? They were great. I, we are so lucky to have them. They're so hands-on. They break it down everything from the jargon to how to position your body to like, you know, how to draw your gun, everything, everything. You know, for me, it's just like, I was already nervous just going in, you know? And so then when they say lights, camera, action, and it's just like, you've got lines and all these things to remember. And it was so reassuring to have them standing by the side and being like, okay, you know what? Let me help you with this next time. Yeah. So it was great to have them super, super, you know, very helpful. Well, obviously they're experts, but from what I hear from different folks that we've talked to, it seems like they're really good teachers as well, you know? Yes. And you don't always have both. So I guess that's, right. that's why they're consultants and they, yep. they're yep. great at that job. Yep. Well, another one I, I wanted to ask just a little bit about how much time did you get to know Madison before you guys began shooting? Was there any time or did you guys talk at all about your, your roles and what you kind of had planned for them or did you just go into it? We kind of just went into it because I booked the role about, I would say like a month before we started shooting and then okay. about three weeks before we actually, my very first shoot date, we started um, training with Mitzi. Okay. And so I met her there and we just kind of got thrown into training and how to draw our guns and all that good stuff. And we talked, but pretty much right after that, I didn't see her again until we started shooting. But I mean, she's so great. Obviously she's so easy to get along with. So it was just like, she made me feel at ease right away. Like I, when I went into the training, I was like a bumbling mess. Like, I was like oh my God. And she was just like, oh, Jill, it's going to be okay. And I'm like, okay, okay. We got this. And so, yeah, but that was pretty much it. We didn't really get much time to talk about. I think I was more curious of just letting her do her thing as Maddie, the character and me just seeing what I could add on to it. And it worked out great that way. Cause I think other times I've been so eager to get to know their character and want to sit down and plan it out, but so much, so much better things can happen from just letting things bring, let her bring what she needs to bring and let me bring what I need to bring. If there's anything that we need resolved, it would be resolved. But none of that happened. We were just kind of yeah. together. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you've seen the ad that they've put out probably today how did it go jay like it was like some of them cool. these two are so cool or to have oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah i'm like it's just it's really awesome and, and like because i wondered my question was did you guys bond over just girl power and stuff like that i mean because you guys make it look so good oh yeah there is it was so funny because like in between takes like we would be talking about like everything like all our you know all our things that are going on in our life and as soon as they would say action it was like back to me mugging you know in the car <laughs> we had like yeah. some of the best conversations in the pod like the, the car the vehicle yeah. mm-hmm. so it was it was it was so great like she we she definitely like there was a lot of firsts for me like I don't think people understand like I had just done co-stars up until that point and to, well okay I did the good place but even so it wasn't as involved as this was so there was a lot of like on-set jargon that I wasn't familiar with okay and okay. just protocol with being on set and mm-hmm. so like me being shy and not wanting to come across as uninformed or needy I would just kind of look at her I'm like what does this mean and she's like oh and she would tell me like oh this is what that means or yeah and so like man, I, I couldn't have asked for a better partner. She just really helped me out a lot. <laughs> On and off the screen. Love it. Yeah. Love it. 
Well, I have a, a question, and then I know Jay has a few questions. He likes to he likes to dig deep and um, yeah. come up with some of his fun questions. So I'm, I'm I'm excited to hear those. But one question I want to ask, sort of on his behalf, Jay and and our other co-host Pete, they tend to be very father like about Maddie, the character, about her boyfriends. They're, none of them are good enough. They're just never good enough. So we're talking on the podcast. What do you think about Antonio? What do you think about Tom? Well, we don't see Tom anymore. Now there's Antonio. What do you think of him? And then we've got, you know, Officer Perez interested in her. So it's just this ongoing thing of me telling them she knows what she wants. She's in charge. You know, she's got this. And they're just like, I don't know. He's not good enough. I, I think, you know, I'm worried about this or that, you know. And so what can you tell us about this Rico guy, the character? Are the guys going to be okay with him? I don't know. Yeah, I think the guys will be okay with him. I think he's a good egg. I, I, okay. I think he's a good egg. Yeah, I think this is this could be a thing. This could be a thing. Tracy, who yeah. invited her to this podcast? <laughs> who, who did that? <laughs> I, I have had this question planned the entire time. I'm sure I just, you did. I, I need to. I asked Madison uh, about it last year when Antonio was still in the picture. And I'm like, these guys, they just, I never can get them to just be like, Maddie will figure out what she wants, you know? Sure, yeah. So I have to get a little leverage, Jay. I have to hear it yeah, 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 from yeah. set, mm-hmm. you know, from the, yep. you know, the story mm-hmm. the best. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, we don't know. We only saw, you know, a little bit this season, but I'm going to be rooting for, for Rico, Jay. So right. I'm, I'm just making that clear now. I think he's got a, I think he's good intentions. And he delivered a baby, Jay. He delivered oh, a baby. Whatever. And he's bragging about it like he's the man. Get out of here. Get out of here. There is the, this shows my age, but there is this, this part of me that wants to call him Rico Suave. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I, know mean, I just feel you know, like this could catch on again. Yeah. You know? I know what you but, mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> all right, Jay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it over to you for your. Yeah, I'm just going to throw two more at her and then we can we can get to our final scene with her. I just, I'm, you know, I feel like, because I'm just a podcaster, I'm nobody, but I feel like if I were on TV or if I were in a commercial or something, like I would obviously be super proud and be like, you know, like the thing Amazon put out today, I'd be like, yeah, that's me. What's up, everybody? Mm-hmm. I bring that up because I need to know how many guitar sales you feel you're responsible for with Guitar Center. I hope lots. I hope lots and lots and lots and lots. You know, I, it's so funny that you say that I had, you know, on Facebook, it shows up like, oh, five years ago today, you did this. And that was recently that I had that memory. And I was just like, oh, I should repost this so people know, (laughs) you know, go to Guitar Center and get your guitars. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Nice. We'll just assume all of them. All of them. I think I, I I think I garnered a lot of sales for Guitar Center. (laughs) Um, maybe the hardest question to answer, which tattoo does your mom hate the most? I think she, I think it's this one, the laugh a little harder. I think it's just because, I mean, she doesn't like any, let, let's be clear. She doesn't like any of okay. like my The one with my grandmother's name and my other brother, grandmother's name, she's like, all right, finally, she's like, okay, you're doing it to honor them. But this one, I feel like she just thinks it doesn't look pretty because, you know, when you're wearing a dress, it's just kind of like, I don't know. Every time yeah, she sees great. Yeah, I don't I love it, but yeah. she that's I think every time I see she doesn't say much about the ones on the wrist, but when it comes okay. to that, she was like, Oh, that just looks so bad. It's on your arm. And I'm like, I don't know. I like should have brought her mom on the podcast too. I think she yeah. would be Oh my god, my mom <laughs> you guys would be here for hours. She would just bury me. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet, book her for next week. <laughs> yeah. 
I, w- I would love to see that back and forth between mother <laughs> and daughter. That, that's where you really learn stuff. That's oh, yeah. Right. Oh, right. that's, I know, right, right for sure. <laughs> All right. Want to do our game, Tracy? Let's do it. All right. So <clears throat> did uh, did Kurt warn you at all about our podcast? Like they're crazy, they're nuts. Did he warn you? No, he had only okay. beautiful things to say about you guys. <laughs> oh, and uh, I got to send him that check in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Tracy and I were talking on and off today. We came up with, uh, we try to do some kind of silly game or something in these podcasts with the people we talk to because it's fun. Indeed, it, it usually winds up pretty funny. So we created a game today called Cuff or cut and it's for cuff them or cut them loose so we're going to play this game as you not your character you but okay. based on what you've learned is like being the the badass training officer in the lapd we have like five scenarios for you okay. and you have to choose whether you're going to cuff them send them away lock them up or you're going to cut them loose now there's a kicker to this game and that you know as a responsible police officer you should you know be nice and let some people go that don't really need to whatever but you only get to do two of the five right so if you use them early on your choices at the end are going to be automatically cuff them and you have no idea what's coming so choose wisely the ones you're <laughs> going to cut loose okay copy okay so we're just doing this as myself yes as you based on you learning the role as the tough training officer all right all right let's do this Okay, I'll start. Number one, you've been called to the scene of a toddler's birthday party. A couple of two-year-olds started started fisticuffs over a present. Cuff them or cut them loose? Cut them loose. Okay. She used one they're, early. I know she one. one they're early. kids. They're littles. They're littles, Jay. Oh, oh my God. Let them go. I can't imagine they're little kids in the slammer. Damn. <laughs> That's tough. I'm tough, but I'm not that tough. Uh, <laughs> maybe she used one early. Wow. Uh, Maybe Dr- Jay's trying to trick you though, because maybe he knew you'd let that one go. So you're gonna have okay, to, okay. You're gonna have to All right. three of the next four. Number two, uh, you and Maddie go back out and uh, grab a dozen donuts. You decide to bring them back to the set to kind of share or whatever. And you find out that Titus stole your favorite one. He stole it right from you. You're gonna cuff him or cut him loose. I'm gonna cuff him. I don't play with my donuts. Okay. <laughs> Those are my donuts. I will be so mad. <laughs> Send him to the slammer. <laughs> yeah. Bye, Titus. No. Sorry, buddy. Bye, Titus. No, sir. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Good choice. All right. Number three. You got a call for vandalism. You head to the scene. It's a graffiti artist writing out, I love Denise Sanchez. Cuff him or cut him loose. Woo. Oof. Oof. Um, you only have one left. I just want to throw that out there. Oh, I cuff him. Okay. Okay. Him. Somebody's probably- send him away. Yep. Yeah. Send him away. Flattery Those two-year-olds got away with fighting, but I know. You know <laughs> little spray paint. Okay. All right. This is a big one. Okay. Yeah. Remember, two left. You got one cut them loose left. You're called, you're called in to investigate the kidnapping or dog napping of all the jindos in LA. Only to find out it was Tracy who grabbed them all up, but just because she wanted to have a snuggle party. She was going to give them back eventually. Cuff her or cut her loose. She snuggle just wanted party. to snuggle with them, just a snuggle, snuggle. Yeah. and they were going to go back? Yeah. That's what she says. <laughs> I, I don't know. She says, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. Because if somebody stole my jindos, I would flip my Which shit. is why oh, I put yeah. this one in there. Uh-huh. I'm going I'm to have to cuff her. Oh, oh here I go. Tracy. <laughs> You're out of here. 
All right. Well, this one's an automatic. Cut them loose. Then number five. We'll, we'll see how see how the the writers feel about this. Everyone is hyped for a season two of Bosch Legacy. So much so that someone has hacked into the production studios to get a copy of the scripts being written. Turns out it was just your mom wanting to see what was next for your character. Cuff or cut. You got to cut loose. Mom gets to go. hear this and be but, like, what? <laughs> The His toddlers, more trouble. That, you know what? You worked really smart. The toddlers and the mom get to go. That's really smart. Yeah. That's a good strategy. Yeah. Actually, and I was, I'm, all over here. I'm over here sweating. I'm like, <laughs> out. I'm like what? what? pressure. It's just for fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I just no, like. That, that was, I'm impressed. You <laughs> some good right. logic there. Because that would have been bad if you had to cuff your mom. Yeah. Did you imagine? Oh. Mom gets to yeah. go. Mom. Yeah, we'd need to talk to her before she got sent to the slammer, though. We'd have to do Tell that. Tell us everything. Tell us everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Anything, Denise, you wanted to share with us? Uh, not really. I'm just excited to start season two. Yeah. Super pumped. I'm out here working out every day, just trying to get it right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm telling yeah, you. We hope you stick around for a while. We got to see that promotion to detective and then get that spinoff of the spinoff. That's what oh, I'm saying. Yeah. Please. Yes, please. That would be great. The fans have all kinds of stories and, and ideas. So I, I know they don't need them from us, but but the fans have big plans for you. So yeah, I love it. It's going to be good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for hanging out with us for a little bit. It was really fun talking to you and learning more about your character. Some really good stuff. So thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. The game was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, come back good. again with your mom. We can play another one. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm sure she'd love to play that. I swear to God. She'd be like, stand up. <laughs> nice. Well, we definitely want to talk to you again uh, yeah, next season, sure. if not before. So yeah, we sure. wish you all the best. And thanks again. Have a good evening. And you too. Take care. Thanks. Bye, Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.